we live in a time where it's very easy, I think, for us to imagine this. Last week, where were we? Just last week, it was uh, Easter, obviously, but right before that, they had taken Jesus away, they had tortured him, they had crucified him, they had killed him, and they had put him in the tomb. And then last week, we celebrated the beauty of this impossible, impossible thing called a resurrection from the dead. And all of the disciples are clearly still awestruck and dumbstruck and don't really know how to react to this. This man who they had spent three years with had given them more truth, more direction, more purpose, more intention for their lives than anything they'd ever known in their life. They were very excited. They were with the Messiah that had been talked about and prophesied for over 2,000 years. What a lucky group they were. And they knew it. We know all of the readings where they're trying to say who's going to be the greatest and all that kind of stuff. They were wrangling with this reality that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the Christ, is their friend. And then he gets killed. And then he dies. And then he gets put in the grave. And then everybody says he's been raised because he's not in the grave anymore things are quite confusing. So in the upper room in today's gospel, in the upper room, here you have the apostles, the disciples, family members, people all gathered together. Why? What does the scripture say? For fear of the Jews. But what were they afraid of? Getting killed. What were they afraid of? Getting uh, fired from their jobs for being associated with this radical man called Jesus. Well, what were they afraid of? Being called names? Of being a radical anti-Jew? To say such things that there are another man of God other than Yahweh is blasphemous. Well, what were they afraid of? Being dragged out of town, beaten, stoned, and killed? Well, what were they afraid of? All of their family having been tortured, taken away, and abused by people that they don't even know? Simply because of their association with the truth. Jesus Christ. They were scared to death. The doors were locked. You couldn't get in. I imagine a couple of the disciples were standing at the door. They were worried, and they were full of fear. And their whole world, as they had known it, with all of its great promise, with all of its great joy, had been stripped away and was just confusing beyond belief, even though they knew that their rumor was out there that Jesus had ascended and had, had risen from the dead. And then all of a sudden, there he is, just appears. Man, I would have loved to have seen that one, right? It's amazing what they don't write down in the gospel. Like, 43 people fell down and passed out. I mean, it, it says we don't write all these things down. Well, you know somebody did, right? That doesn't happen. He walked right through the door. He appeared. This man was dead. Now he's alive. They touched his hands. They put their hand in their side. They could see it. They knew it. But they still lived in fear. And so what did Jesus say to them? The first words out of Jesus Christ's mouth post-resurrection is, peace be with you. He understands. He totally gets it. He's fully man. 
He's fully God. He totally gets us, my brothers and sisters. This idea that we are afraid of being tortured, abused, uh, made fun of, canceled, all this fear that we might garner in our lives if we were at that time, he gets it in spades. And so he comes back, and Thomas is there this next time. What is his opening line? Peace be with you. And how does he heal them? How does he create them? How does he send them out like a god would send out his people? He calls down the Holy Spirit. He calls down the Holy Spirit and says to them, and gives them a plan, gives them an action, gives them a life to go live. And he says, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Go and forgive sins. For those sins that you forgive are forgiven. And those sins that you retain are retained. That last line doesn't get a lot of press, does it? Because we focus on being forgiven for our sins. But Jesus gave those apostles and the teaching church that we are all belong the power to retain and say, you're not forgiven for that sin. Now we know that a priest cannot deny you forgiveness unless he has a belief that you have no intention to change your life. You have no intention to modify your belief and your behavior. If you and I act like that, he has an obligation to not give us absolution for that sin. See how often that is missed? Those that you forgive are forgiven, and those that you retain are retained. Did Jesus put that last part on there because he just wanted to give the guys something to slap us around for? No. But Jesus gave that last command, which I think is as profound as the first, because he knows you and I need direction. Desperately, we need guidance. Desperately, we need some direction. Where are the guardrails? Where is sin? Where is harm? Where will put our souls at absolute risk? What will keep us safe? What will help us grow in holiness? This is what the, the uh, Sacrament of Reconciliation is all about. So my brothers and sisters, I think if there is anything that I have learned over my 67 years is the world hasn't changed one minute in 2,000 years. Not one bit. Those Jews, those followers of Jesus, were scared to death of their own people. To death of their own people. Why? Because they chose to retain what must be retained in order to guide people to salvation, to the truth of who this man is and who his father is and what truth is. Now, brothers and sisters, you and I live in that environment right now. A very, very good priest that I watch on YouTube, Father Mike Smith, said, the first thousand years after Jesus died, the church spent a thousand years learning Christology, the knowledge of Christ. Who is he? God, man, just God, maybe God and man. And we took a thousand years through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to put this canon of faith of who Jesus is together. And we've got it. The next thousand years, we spent figuring out what the role of Jesus Christ's church is, 
what role it plays, what it is supposed to do to guide and to teach and to garner and to protect. And in the next thousand years, we came to an understanding of what we call ecclesiology, what the church has been given to us to do for us to bring us to greater holiness. And Father Smith says the next thousand years, we're going to be spending trying to figure out what a man and what a woman is. Now, if you would have told me that five years ago, what do you mean what a man and what a woman is? <laughs> what? I wouldn't have believed you, but today we need not do almost anything on media and we see this questioning, questioning, questioning of what is gender and who is a woman and what is a woman and what is a man and, what, and are there distinctions that can be truly affected and defined. And even the Supreme Court justices and other people who are smart people are so afraid of the Jews put this in the story of the previous story. They're so afraid of the Jews that they won't answer the question. And you and I, we get stuck in the same spot, don't we? Anybody here looking to get fired? Anybody excited about getting fired Monday? For speaking truth? Is anybody here looking to upset someone, make them cry, make them lose their mind, make them ruin their day by defending a truth? None of us want that. See, the world has not changed. God's truth is truth. It'll always be truth. We're not living in more interesting times than any other time. It's always been the case. So how do we solve it? The same way that Jesus solved it in the gospel. Peace be with you. My goodness, peace be with you. Peace be with me. I need a little peace. Peace. Be at peace. It's okay. God is in his heaven. He's in control. It is okay. Come, Holy Spirit. Create me. Give me courage. Put a smile on my face. Help me go where I am afraid to go. Let me go with joy, with love, with conviction and joy and hope. Let me have the courage to defend truth. Not angrily. Not like a jerk. Not, not some arrogant manner, but just out of sheer love for their souls. Say, this is truth. Now, brothers and sisters, this is our calling. To bring truth to the world that comes from this man, his Father, and the Most Holy Spirit. May you and I have the courage. May we have the strength. And may we have the peace of mind to go and be his love to everyone we need.